Jude. Jude chapter 1, obviously, and verse number 1, the Word of God says, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God in the lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. We come this morning to this little epistle of Jude. Jude is formerly called Judas, not Judas Iscariot. Uh, but I, if, I'll say this, if uh, your name was Judas and Judas had done what you did, you'd shorten your name up to Jude too. Somebody say amen right there. Wouldn't want to be identified with that character. We know by way of introduction in these verses, there's five, five or six things that I want us to see leading up to our thought. There is the identified disciple in verse 1, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James. Now, we understand that Mary and Joseph, even though their relationship did not birth Jesus Christ, Joseph was not the father of the Lord Jesus, but rather uh, the foster father, if you would. We understand that after the birth of Jesus Christ, that Mary and Joseph had other children. James was one of them. He wrote the epistle of James. And then Jude. Here in our text, he was another one of the siblings of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's interesting to note that Jude does not come onto the page and say, I am Jude, the brother of Jesus Christ. But rather, he says, I am Jude, the servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll say this this morning, that God is my father, making Jesus Christ my brother, if you would. But you know what I am? I am just a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that is the identified disciple but then notice the important doctrine that he gives he says to them and he's talking to a church now to them that are sanctified by God that saint word sanctified it means to set apart you know what the church is this morning that little word church comes from a Greek word ecclesia and it means a called out assembly we you and I that have been saved by the grace of God we got up this morning and we have congregated here at the church as a called out assembly for the purpose of worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. So we are sanctified by God. And then he said we are preserved in Jesus Christ. This word preserved, and I, I've never canned and don't plan to can. I like eating stuff that are canned good. Somebody say amen right there. Uh, but I've never done any canning or preserving. But I do know this, the reason uh, that they do that is to keep what is good on the inside and to keep what's bad on the outside and keep it from getting on the inside. Well, aren't you glad when you got saved by the grace of God that we are saved for eternity and we are kept by the power of God. And thank God he said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. And though it may be bad all around,
around us. Thank God what's on the inside. I tell you, you could find an old house somewhere that's got an old cellar and go down to the basement and you might could find a, an old can uh, or somebody had canned some green beans or something like that. You might find that and it might be dusty and it might be dark in that cellar and it might be dirty, but I'll tell you this, if that can has been sealed properly, them green beans are not affected by the dirt, not affected by the darkness, not affected by the by the desolation all around them and thank God you and I that are saved by the grace of God that we have been preserved it don't matter how dark it gets in this world, it doesn't matter how bad it gets in this world, what he has put in us is going to stay in us amen, then he said that we are called, this word called means divinely selected or appointed, meaning that God did not just save us to sit and soak and, 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 and to sour but rather he has a place of service he has something that he wants us to do there's the identified disciple, the important doctrine, the imparted declaration. Verse number two, this is a common greeting. Jude says, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. I don't know about you, but I need all three of those things in my life. I sure do need God's mercy and I need God's peace and I need God's love. And aren't you glad that God will multiply? In other words, He'll take what He's already given us and He'll do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. But then we get to verse number 3 and that leads to Jude's initial desire. Look what he says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. Jude states in this phrase, in this, in this little opening sentence, this paragraph, if you would, he said, my intentions when I wrote this epistle was to write to you about the common salvation. Now don't let that word common make you think that it's just like any other salvation. That's not what that word means. But the word common salvation, that little phrase common salvation means it works the same on every everybody. Amen. It doesn't matter if you was raised in church or you was raised in a bar. I'm glad that Calvary's blood, that Jesus Christ, the cross, it doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. It can reach further down than you can reach up and make a difference in your life. It is a common salvation. That was Jude's initial desire. He wanted to write to these believers about salvation. But notice his inward discernment in verse number 3. It was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you. Jude said, as I got to praying about this, as I got to considering the matter of this, he said, the Lord worked in my heart that it was more needful uh, for me to write unto you to earnestly contend for the faith. And that is the instructing demand. That you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Now let's define some words quickly this morning. This little word earnestly, it means zealous with fixed attention. The word contend means to strive against, to struggle in opposition, to defend and to preserve. And our, and even our Rock of Ages Bible gives a good definition that I like. To stand for the faith at all costs. To earnestly contend for the faith. Now what is this, the faith that Jude is talking about here? Well it's not talking about the faith of your salvation when you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But rather it is a definite article. It said the faith. If you look that little phrase up, it means the conviction 
of truth. It means what is your, your basis of truth. I'm going to tell you what that faith is this morning. It is the Word of God. And so Jude told the believers, he said, I really wanted to write to you about salvation, but the more I began to consider the matter, I, I determined that it would be the will of God for me to exhort you to earnestly contend for the faith. I want to preach on that phrase this morning, earnestly contending for the faith. Jude wrote this letter to warn of the apostates that were already on the scene. The word apostasy is not found in your Bible. The Greek word is, in 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2, we defined it in Sunday school, that falling away, apostia. And it was where we get our English word apostasy. And this word apostasy means a falling away, a rejection and abandonment of the truth. Peter in 2 Peter chapter 2 verses 1 through 3 had prophesied that these false teachers that these false preachers would come they would deny the Lord and bring upon themselves swift destruction and, and this prophecy had been fulfilled apparently Jude was writing to some of the same believers that Peter wrote to one man said and he was writing to stir them up and remind them to take heed to the warnings of the apostle Peter and I'll say this this morning if the apostates and apostasy abandoning of the faith, leaving the truth, if that was prevalent in Jude's day, then how much more is it prevalent in 2023 in the day and age we are living in? I'm talking about Jude is some 60 or some 33 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, somewhere in that ballpark. If 30-something 30, 30 years after the death, burial, and resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ, if apostasy was going on then, then how much more is it going on today in the day we're living in, church? And I want to, I want to look this morning and I want us to, uh, take Jude's admonishment to earnestly contend for the faith. I'm going to tell you something, honey. There are some things worth fighting for, amen. There are some things worth standing for. There are some truths worth abiding by. I want to look at three things this morning quickly in this chapter. Number one, I want to see we should earnestly contend for the faith because of the affirmation of the saints. The affirmation of the saints. Look at verse number 3. He said, It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith. Watch it now. Which was once delivered unto the saints. In other words, this faith. He said the affirmation of the saints. He said, first of all, this faith, this word... It is precious. In other words, he said it's worth fighting for. It's worth standing for. Here's what the psalmist said. He said, I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. I'm going to tell you this morning, thank God for the word of God that we have here today. As I sat at my kitchen table yesterday morning working on this message and writing some thoughts down, I was reminded of the privilege that we have been given here in this church to have a copy of the word of God. I'm not just one copy, but multiple copies of the word of the living God. It is precious. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to his word. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the sea of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Amen. The grass withereth 
and the flower thereof fadeth away, but the word of the Lord shall endure forever. Thank God it is a precious faith this morning. But then this verse, I've already mentioned this, but I'll say it. It is a particular faith. He said, contend for the faith. That word the is a definite article. In other words, there's just one. Paul says in Ephesians, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. This is a precious word, but this word is a particular word. I tell you, we don't believe the ESV this morning. We don't believe the NIV. We don't believe the New King James, the bad news for wicked men, good news for modern men. We don't believe nothing. We believe the King James Bible is the word of God. I even take it a step further this morning. I don't believe the King James Bible is the best translation for the English speaking people I believe the King James Bible is the word of God there's no doubt about it in my mind if I didn't believe that I'd throw my Bible away and go get a job and quit preaching but I'm glad to know forever oh Lord thy word is settled in heaven this is a particular word other versions take out words, take out phrases, take out the blood, attack the lordship of Christ, attack the deity of Christ. It's proven. All you got to do is a simple Google search. Just Google it. ESV compared to King James or, or NIV compared to a King James. And look at all the verses and the words that they take out. Hey, I, I, I'm telling you this morning, I'm not interested in subtracting any words this morning. I tell you, I got saved by this book. I got called to preach by this book. The preacher used this book the night he married me and my family. The men of God dedicated my children with this book. Amen. I've given my life to the study and to the preaching of this book. It is a, a, a particular word, a precious word. It is a proven word. It was once delivered unto the saints. Meaning that from generation to generation. And from generation to generation. They have passed down this book. I understand 1611 was when the King James Bible uh, became when the Bible was uh, translated to the English language. But I'm telling you God's never been without a word. And God's never been without a witness. And while the Catholics were digging their Bible out of a trash can and out of a monastery. The church. The Baptists. Amen. I'll be more. I'll be specific. We have always had the Word of God. In fact, the, it was a Baptist that held him in the River Jordan and baptized the Lord Jesus. He literally baptized the Word. Amen. Baptists have always had the Word. Amen. This word is a past word, once delivered unto the saints. And I'll say this, if this was passed down to us, how much more should we strive to pass it down to another generation? This word is preserved. Earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. May I say this morning, I've already emphasized this, but if God has not changed this word, then who am I to change it? Who am I to say that God did not mean what he said when he wrote it down in the Bible? I'm going to tell you, church, there's a lot of men that I have some respect for. And it's breaking my heart. But they're taking some steps away from the Word of God. And they're making statements that make your preacher nervous. But I'm telling you, as long as I've got my right mind, I ain't got much of one. But as long as I've got what I've got, and, I, and I'm walking in the Spirit, there will not be another Bible used in this church. There won't be another verse quote version quoted in this church unless we're proving it as heresy amen I'm not looking for anything new why would I want something new when I've got what's true amen and that don't make me a Ruttmanite 
Makes me a Christian. Amen. It's exactly right. Uh, affirmation. Why should we earnestly contend for the faith? Because people died for this book. People died for this faith. People were martyred for this faith. People suffered and they still are suffering for this faith that we hold this morning, this word we hold. And Jude said 33 years after the resurrection, he said, you better fight for it. It's worth fighting for. It used to be the other denominations, and I'm not trying to throw stones, I'm telling you facts. It used to be the other denominations were the only ones that attacked the Word of God and that used other versions. But now, even in fundamental Bible preaching churches, they're correcting the Word of God using other versions. And there's missionaries with a certain mission board. We don't support any of their missionaries, but a certain mission board that claims to be independent Baptists. But when you nail their missionaries down, they, they'll say they believe the King James Bible is the Word of God. But when you nail them down, they have other versions that they are using. Amen. I wouldn't let a I wouldn't let a missionary come in my church. It's Vision Baptist Missions is who it is. We're not having any other missionaries in anyway. Amen. I'm not having somebody in that don't believe that this is the Word of God. I'm not saying that every vision vision missionary is that way, but I know seven of them that are, and that's enough for me to stay away. Either this is the Bible church or it's not, and I just believe that it is. Amen. Why should we contend for the faith? Because the affirmation of the saints, it was passed down to us. But then secondly this morning, why should we earnestly contend for the faith? Number two, because of the apostasy of some. Verse number four. For there are certain men, crept in unawares, who were before ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I've already defined the word apostasy as a falling away. The abandonment of the truth. That Jesus said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And they're, what these apostates are this morning, they are people who are abandoning the truth of the word of God. Notice these men. They are certain men in this verse. For there are certain men. This means they're common men. Men just like you and I. They are creeping men. The Bible said they've crept in unawares. The word picture of this is slipping into the water without making a ripple. The other word picture of this word, this little phrase, is to slip in the side door uninvited. They're a bunch of creeps is what they are. For they crept in unawares. Paul warns the believers at Corinth of these men. He said, for our, such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transform themselves to the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Jesus said, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but emerly they are ravening wolves. Hey, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I don't believe those wolves that Jesus warning uh, his uh, people about are the Kenneth Copelands and the Rod Parsons and the David Cirillas and the Joel Osteins. We know who they are. We can see through that. But I'm telling you, I believe there are wolves that carry the name Independent Baptist that even may carry a King James Bible, but they don't believe it's the Word of God. And they are wolves in sheep's clothing. They look like us, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. And Paul said they're not going to spare the flock in Acts 20, 28. Grievous wolves. Here's how you know those men. You're going to know them by their fruits. 
Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Every so, even so every good tree that bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. Certain men, they're creeping men, they just sneak in. They come in under the guise of old time Baptist preachers. But then they begin to change. I'm going to tell you what that crowd always starts with. They start with music. I'm going to tell you the digression. It starts with music. And then with music, it goes to dress. And then it goes to the Word of God. It's a digression. I've seen it. I've seen this movie over and over again. They're creeping men. They're certain men. They're condemned men. Look at your text. Who were before ordained to this condemnation. Now, the Calvinists want to take this verse and say it was predestined before the foundation of this world for these particular men to be apostates. That is not what that verse said. They were ordained to this condemnation, meaning that God said apostasy would happen in the last days. Paul predicted in 2 Thessalonians 2 there would be a great falling away. But just because there was prophesied there would be apostasy doesn't mean that those individual men were predestined to be apostates. They made a choice. They made a choice to go that direction. I know I'm, I know I'm in deep water this morning, but just stay with me. Let me just preach my burden out, and I'll preach something else tonight, okay? There's a falling away. Here's what John said. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have no doubt continued with us, but they went out, they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. And I'm going to tell you, this apostasy, this falling away, these people attacking the Bible and going away from the truth of God's Word, Brother Richard did not catch God by surprise. God knew it was going to happen. These are corrupt men. Look what the Bible says. They're ungodly men. The word ungodly means destitute of referential all towards God, condemning God. John Phillips in his commentary on Jude said, The word does not simply mean that these men are irreligious. It means that they deliberately do things that God has forbidden. They have no reverence for holy things and no all of God. In other words, the apostate does what he does because he is what he is. He is a man who has no respect for God. He denies the Holy Scriptures. He lives a carnal, worldly life. He is ungodly, unbelieving by a deliberate choice. He's not a backslider or someone who's gotten away from the Lord. He is a person who has deliberately disobeyed the truth. Ungodly men. In simple terms, the word ungodly is the opposite of godly. These are compromising men. Look at the verse. They're turning the grace of our God and to lasciviousness. Within the context of Jude's epistle, he is dealing with these men uh, that were taking the grace of God and get, making a, a license to sin. Here is the cry of Jude's day. Does this sound familiar? Do what you want to. God ain't mad at you. This is 33 years after the resurrection, Brother Eric. And these false preachers are saying, it's okay, God will forgive you. Hey, and by the way, God is a God of forgiveness. Can I get an amen out of that? But grace is not a license to sin. I have a driver's license. And I can get in that F-150 out there and I can go as fast as I want. I have a license to drive. But if I go too fast, the boys in blue are coming after me. Why? Because I broke the law. And I'm going to tell you that, that and I can, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pay the fine. Amen. These are compromising men. Lasciviousness means unbridled lust, living loose, no laws, do as you please. Jesus loves you. Well, Jesus does love you. But Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. 
These are contrary men. And denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. You know how to know an apostate? When they deny the Lord Jesus Christ. Does this mean when they use the word deny, does it mean they deny his existence? No, they know better than that. Here's what that word deny means. It means not to accept, to reject, to refuse something offered. Brother David, here's what, here's what I believe that means. They know the truth. They know what it says. But they willingly reject it to give something else. Preachers in pulpits all over the country this morning are denying the Lord Jesus when they get up and preach how to be a better you. That's denying the Lord Jesus Christ. When they get up, and, and I'm not against preaching on finances. We had a whole Sunday last week uh, that was geared towards giving and, and, and giving to missions and giving by faith. I'm not, against, I'm not against preaching on the home. I do that. But I'm telling you, at the end of the day, the primary purpose of this local assembly is to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're to preach the whole counsel of God, but we're to shine out the gospel light. Amen? But these men are contrary. They reject the truth. These men are characterized. Now, I don't have time to deal with all these verses, but let me run through a few of them real quick. They're characterized. Verse number 5. I will therefore put you in remembrance that though you once knew this, how that the Lord, had, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. So I said, preacher, what's he saying? He's talking about those, all those Israelites that came out of Egypt. They didn't enter into Canaan. Why? They didn't believe God. So these apostates, they don't have faith. Verse 6, and the angels who kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness and to the judge of the great day. This speaks of when the angels rebel with Lucifer. So these apostates, they rebel against authority. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth an example of the suffering and the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, speak evil of dignity. No, ain't nobody telling me what to do. I'm going to do what I want. It's what we're seeing today. They have no authority. Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses. Durst not against him bring a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuked thee. Michael the archangel, the angel, the angel of war. When he was, and we don't have time to deal with all this, but when he was disputing, fighting with the devil, the devil wanted the body of Moses, I believe, to give back to the Israelites so they would set up a memorial and worship Moses. So I said, They wouldn't do that. They worshiped a cow. Why wouldn't they worship Moses? So I believe that God, that's why God buried Moses and nobody knows where he's buried. The devil found out and they argued about it and Michael said, the Lord rebuked thee. Michael didn't speak in his own name. Michael didn't speak in his own power, but he used the power of God. But these apostates, they use their own power, their own name. In fact, their, name, their ministry is named after them. But these speak evil of those things which they know not. What is this talking about in verse number 10? What, what does it mean when they speak evil things they know not, but what they know naturally is brute beasts and those things they corrupt themselves? In other words, the apostates are ignorant of spiritual things. I have literally taken my Bible and showed people verses why this is wrong, only for them to say, well, I know what I believe and I know what I felt. They're ignorant of spiritual things. I'm not talking about, we all have different opinions. We all, everybody, that is part of our human nature. I'm not talking about opinions this morning. I'm talking about black, white, and red, what the Word of God says, and people still say, well, I know how I feel, and I know what I believe. I'm going to tell you what I believe this morning. I believe that this is the Word of God for all matters of faith and practice. 
Do you know I've been wrong before as the pastor? And this Bible corrects me. Amen. It corrects us all. Woe to them, verse 11, for they've gone the way of Cain. What was the way of Cain? A sacrifice with no blood. They don't want to preach on the blood anymore. They don't want to preach on sacrifice anymore. They don't want to preach on the atonement of Jesus Christ. They have, they have ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward. Remember Balaam? He was hired to be that, that prophet that would cast a spell, on, a curse rather, on Israel. He was a hireling. I'm going to tell you something. You listen to your preacher this morning. I know things that I, that I probably shouldn't know, but I do know. But I'm going to tell you what makes the world go round. Money makes the world go round. It don't matter if it's the political world or the religious world. Money, I know men that will go and preach for guys just because they give big offerings. And the men have immoral lifestyles, have been caught in adultery, have been caught in fornication, but they'll still go preach for them because they pay good. I'd hate to know that I was that sorry of a preacher. That I couldn't trust God to take care of my needs preaching these little churches. And I said it respectfully. You know what? God takes care of me just fine. If I lose every meeting I have, God's been good to me. Amen. I'm not bragging this morning, but I don't want to be, a, I don't want to be like Balaam. And they perished in the game saying of Korah. Korah was that man who rose up in rebellion against Moses and Aaron's authority. And God had, had him stoned. Had the, excuse me, got the earth, sorry, I got that mixed up with Achan. God opened up the earth and swallowed Korah because of his rebellion. Here's what these apostates do to a church. Look at verse 12. There's spots in your feast of charity. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, clouds are they without water, carried about with winds, trees whose fruit wither no fruit, twice dead and plucked up by the roots. He said, I'm going to tell you what these apostates do. He said, they're spots. I got dress shirts, white dress shirts that I paid a lot of money for. So I said, why do you pay a lot of money? Because when you wear them as much as I do, you don't want to get junk. And I mean, I wear them three, four times a week. And I noticed this morning I had some stains on my shirts. And I can't wear some of them now. Why? They got spots on them. And they have ruined that ability. And that, he said, that's what them apostates do. Because you know what people see first when you wear it? When you got a spot on your shirt, people notice that right off. They don't notice all the other clean on the shirt. They say, oh, man, you got a spot on your shirt. And I tell you what these apostates do. They ruin a lot of good churches. Clouds without water, they have nothing to offer. Carried about with winds, they have no stability. Whose fruit withereth without fruit, they have no lasting fruit. One man said they're picking the fruit but killing the harvest. Twice dead, plucked up by the roots, they have no life. Verse 13, y'all still with me? Raging waves of the seas, foaming out their own shame. Speaks of their pride and their arrogant speech. Wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Years ago, the sailors and the travelers, they'd travel by the stars. But he said, these, one, these people, these apostates are wandering stars. And everyone, the North Star is always in the same place. Did you know that? And people, ships have guided them. And, and even now, if they lost all the communications, if they had enough sense, they could look at that and find the North Star and know that was north. But these apostates, they're wandering stars. They just won't land on nothing. I tell you this morning, I have more respect for Joel Olstein than I do some independent Baptist preachers. Because I know what Joel Olstein believes. Now, he don't believe nothing. <laughs> but I know what he believes. But I'll tell you what bothers me. It's a guy that'll just hop around and he won't. I told Brother Rich, I said, it's aggravating to read a guy's sermon or hear a guy preach for 45 minutes and him almost say something. I got a lot of faults and one of them is I say whatever comes in my mind. 
I know that surprised some of y'all. But I hope you won't ever have to go out of this building and say, I wonder what preacher thinks about that. I hope you know where I stand. And by the way, I hope I stand where the Word of God stands. If I don't, I'll get right with God and stand where the book stands. Why? Because I'm to be, I don't mean it's wrong, but I'm to be a star in the lives of these children. I'm to be a star in the lives of your family. Not a superstar, but as a direction, as an example to the flock. This is the way we're to go, folks. We see that Enoch prophesied, I don't even roll these verses, Enoch prophesied about these apostates and about the judgment coming. Why should we earnestly contend for the faith? Because it's been passed down to us. And there's the apostasy of some. But last of all, there's a lot of things I, I'm skipping tonight this morning. Preachers, you ain't always got to give everything you have in your message. Just mark that now. Amen. I wish some, my friends would get that. But I'm going to tell you why we all earnestly contend for the faith. And I'm done. Because of the assurance of the Scriptures. Look at verse number 17. We're going, we're going to preach the whole book of the Bible this morning in about 30, 35 minutes. Watch this. There's a word of confirmation. But beloved, remember ye the words that were spoken before the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they were told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be, uh, these be they who separate themselves, sensual not having the Spirit. Amen! Hallelujah! Y'all didn't get the blessing of that text that I did, did you? You know what you know what Jude just said? What Jesus said was right. It breaks my heart. Brother Richie, I'll be honest with you, and you know a little more of the conversation we've had this week. But yesterday morning I felt like Paul when he was at Mars Hill. I stirred up. I, I could have spit fire. I mean the right thing come along. But then I read this verse and I said, Well, praise God. That Bible's true after all. Because what we're seeing, and, and as if I had any doubts, what we're seeing is this book is unfolding. And he said, the Lord said there's going to be people that are going to walk after their own lust. Brother David, they're going to leave. Jesus said that it was going to happen. There's a word of confirmation. There's a word of continuation. Look at verse 20. But, conjunction, ye beloved, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. He said, look, don't you let them apostates keep you from growing and going in the Lord. You just continue going, you keep on praying, you keep on serving God, you keep on living in God's mercy. You don't let them stop you. Preacher, so many people are quitting on God, so many people are backing up. Oh, but don't you be one of them. You continue, you keep praying, you keep growing in the Lord. There's a word about compassion. The Lord worked this in my heart this morning. Verse 22, and if some have compassion, making a difference. That verse usually gets pulled out of context and quoted, which is okay. But the context, Brother Richie, is talking about apostasy. Here's what Jude's saying. Don't let your heart get hardened towards sinners in these last days. Make sure you've got a tender heart towards them because they need to be saved. There's a word about compelling. Some of them you've got to save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Let me tell you something about these apostates. And I've got two things I want to say and I'm done. It's been an argument for years, discussion. Are apostates saved? Are apostates saved? I've wondered about it myself, Brother Matthew. There's a lot of things. But I believe I found a verse. And I, I talked to a friend of mine last night. And I gave him this verse. These apostates. First, look at verse 18. Y'all there? How that, they, how that they told you, they were told you, there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. 
Would you agree that's the same crowd in verse number 4 that's crept in unawares? The context would lean to that. That's what he's talking about. These be they who separate themselves, sensual. Watch these next four words. Having not the Spirit. What did Paul say in Romans? Romans chapter number 8 and verse number, let's see here. I wrote it in my notes, verse number 9. But you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be it, the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Apostates are lost. Preacher, I don't know about that. Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot was one of the twelve disciples and died and went to hell. He was an apostate. He literally abandoned the truth when he forsook the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, he was possessed by the devil. I believe these men are, are, are oppressed by the devil and influenced by the demonic spirits. There's no other way to read that. They have not the spirit. There's a word of comfort, though, in this. I'll be honest with you. I, I dealt with this in Sunday school, and I'm not even going to mention what I dealt with in Sunday school. Go back on the Facebook Live and watch it. But seeing all this apostasy, I've seen it, I felt like I've seen it more in the past five, six years. And it may just be because of social media the way it is now and everything's just out there. I was disturbed. And I, I just, I'll tell you, here's a good thing to do. Whenever you get disturbed in this world, just pick up your Bible and start reading. Grace, the kids, they all asleep. And I got my light out and I got my Bible out and I started reading in 1 John. And I read, and I read, and I read, and I read. And I got to this verse. And God gave me peace in my heart. Verse 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. What does apostasy mean? A falling away. And to present you faultless before the prince of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God our Savior be glory, majesty, dominion, and power both now and forever. Amen. Here's what God spoke to my heart. Boy, there's people leaving the book, people leaving the church, but you don't have to. You don't have to fall away. You don't have to walk away. You can finish this thing right. And I want to encourage you, we can finish well. We can finish this race that God's given us. In closing this morning, these days of apostasy, we must be faithful in the sanctuary. Hey, we still have church on Wednesday night. Some of y'all forgot about that. Amen. Amen. The only people that had an excuse not being here Wednesday is Brother Richie and Miss Asia. They had a baby. Amen. <laughs> or, if, or if you're sick. Amen. We still have church on Wednesday night. We still have church on Sunday night. Be faithful. Be fervent in the Scriptures. Let's be in the Word of God. Fellowship and supplication. Be filled with the Spirit. Follow the Savior. If we'll do those things, we won't be fooled by the serpent. If we'll do those things. Let's, let, let's take Jude's admonishment to heart this morning. Ain't these, ain't these babies worth it? Ain't these children worth Ain't our families worth contending for the faith? I believe Jesus could come. Come on, Brother Matthew, I'm done. I believe Jesus could come any time. I really believe that. Do you believe that this morning? But did you know that Jesus could not come for another 50 years? I don't, I don't think so, but he could. And if he, and if he doesn't come for another 50 years... I'll be in my 80s. I'll be Eric's age then. And, and if he don't come for another 50 years, my boy, will be 50, my boy will be almost 60 years old, my oldest boy. 
if you don't come for another 50 years. Are they gonna, and, they, and, and if that's the case, usually in your 50s you got kids and sometimes you got grandkids at that age. Are they going to have anything to pass down to their children? They won't unless we earnestly contend for the faith and keep on going right. Amen. Let's